Hello and welcome to the Viva Wellness Podcast. My name is Jarrell. I'm Rachel. Welcome back to everyone who has joined us before and welcome for the first time to any new listeners. We're happy to have you. I am very excited today because we have another guest. I get Yay. to talk to another person. You know, Jarrell's <laughs> great, but Thanks. in a pandemic, you get sick of people more easily. And I've seen him a lot. So I'm very excited to have another person here. We are talking today with Carolyn Sue, the creator of Diverse We Run. Hi, Carolyn. How are you? Hi, guys. Um, I'm doing well. I'm feeling a little bit nervous, but um, I'm really excited and really glad to be here to chat with you guys. I love that when someone asks you how you are, you respond authentically. Yeah. That's my favorite thing ever. So you're already winning the podcast. So yeah, already won. All right. right. Like, this is a success. You've won. Full start. <laughs> we can just awesome. be fun. I mean, this would be a very boring episode for everyone else, probably. <laughs> but, like, I can be success. So... So why don't you start off, we'll make it really simple, you know, I already kind of introduced you, but who you are, what you do, and anything else we should know about you. Um, Okay, well, uh, I am a first-generation Taiwanese-American, and um, I was born and raised in Houston, Texas, and um, I later went to school at the University of Texas in Austin, where I studied nutrition, and then I became a registered dietitian. I practiced for a few years, both in a clinical setting in the ICU, as well as outpatient uh, in counseling patients who were going to have bariatric surgery. And then after that, I got married, I had kids, and then, um, I now live in Boston, Massachusetts, where uh, I am a mom of two kids. I am also uh, the women's ministry coordinator at my local church here. Um, I am an informal neighborhood block party planner. I also, I, I see myself as a racial equity advocate. And uh, yeah, I just, and I do everything else in between. I'm the person in my family who eats all the ice cream, but at the same time is always trying to figure out creative ways to get my family outside and to enjoy nature and to have fun. <laughs> so I that's what I do. <laughs> you do all the things. Do you uh-huh. sleep? Do you, do you have time to sleep? <laughs> that's the big question <laughs> yeah you posted something on instagram the other day which was just the best and i thought it was funny i'm sure you didn't think it was all that funny but of trying to get your kids to go out for a family walk and oh they're like complaining the entire way until like the very end but like you did it and i was like man i admire that perseverance <laughs> Because they're they're going to be so grateful later on, even if they're not grateful now. But mm-hmm. it was just you were in it to win it, and you're like those kids are leaving, and I was like, props, I admire this. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, you know that they will appreciate this. This is why I record everything on Instagram, and then I can show it to them later. <laughs> right. Yes. Be like, be, like, be thankful. Be thankful for this. Exactly. I set you up in this way. <laughs> I set you up for success. Yes. Yeah, you know what you should do is like once they become runners, because you know I'm obviously planning your kids' future. Right now, <laughs> you should just like show it to them and be like, "Hey, remember when you didn't even want to walk around the block?" <laughs> just saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll so, be that mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think once kids grow up, like you just get the right to be that mom, especially at least during their teenage years. Mm. I feel like that's just like a, <laughs> I don't know. It feels fair. Yeah, so in the future, when they're on podcasts and whatnot, I better get shout outs from them. That's right. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So you mentioned you do all the things, which kudos, especially during this crazy time where, you know, it's difficult to even just be a person. But you also are the founder of a community called Diverse We Run, which is amazing, but I'll let you tell why it's amazing. So can you give everyone a little bit of background information about what it is and what made you start the community? Yeah, well, so the account and community is essentially a space where um, I really try to amplify voices and stories of runners who are Black, Indigenous, or persons of color. Um, that's like 
the short version mm-hmm. <laughs> of what the account is. And uh, I started it because of realizing a lack of representation in what was touted as the running community. Um, I So for myself, uh, like I said earlier, I am first generation Taiwanese American. And so what that means is that my parents came over from Taiwan when uh, they were grad students. And so they, yeah, so they came over and uh, established a life (laughs) uh, for themselves. And then uh, my sister and I, we were born and raised here in America. But uh, so that background is just to give context of how um, usually for immigrant families and immigrant parents, uh, they spend all their time and capacity really just working really hard so that their kids can have a better, quote unquote, you know, like a better future, really. And uh, as a result of that, I really, you know, I did not grow up playing sports or doing any little league type things. And um, it was really, I was a latchkey kid and uh, I had no idea even what track and cross country was. And it wasn't until college that I learned about this activity and sport called running. (laughs) And um, (laughs) I learned about it through these health and fitness magazines uh, that helped me at the time um, control an eating disorder that I was dealing with. And so for me, running was just this tool and activity for something else, you know, to help me accomplish this other goal of mine. And um, so, I mean, I ran starting in college, but uh, it wasn't until much, much later, like around 2017, 2018, that um, I started to explore more of what this running world looks like on social media Mm -hmm. and so um yeah so then in 2018 at the beginning of 2018 was when i started to um just try to connect more with more people uh who were runners on instagram and uh and that was when i discovered like oh wow so there is this thing called a running community that the sport is not just an individual activity and um and there are these things called hashtags (laughs) that um, connect you with other people, you know? I mean, I had Instagram um, way before that, uh, basically from when Instagram started back in 2009, 2010, but it was mostly just for like, you know, me posting pictures of my kids and connecting with personal friends, you know, like it was like a private account. It was a very Um, different ball game then. Yes, yes, Uh, simpler times really. But, um, but yeah, and so as the more, I think the more I started to explore uh, what the running community was touted to be, and the more I started to follow, you know, these different accounts of run, you know, a lot of these feature running accounts, and the more I started to listen to running podcasts, I think just unintentionally, you know, I just started to notice a pattern um, in just the types of stories and then also the people who were um, constantly being promoted and featured. And after a while, everyone just kind of started to blend together. And um, I just started to notice how homogenous uh, things started to look. And, and again, I didn't go, it wasn't like I went out looking to evaluate spaces for diversity, you know, mm-hmm. it, I didn't actually even realize that, I didn't even realize it was problematic, I guess, mm-hmm. um, that the running community that I bought into, was, you know, consisted of like the same image of like a very lean cut runner who was white and always had like six pack abs, you know, and um, for the most part, a lot of the stories of, uh, female runners, you know, sounded a lot like, you know, I, I did sports when I was in, when I was in high school and college, and then I took time off, and then had babies, and then started running again afterwards to lose baby weight, and then now I am qualifying for Boston and doing all these amazing, great things, 
um, and which is, which I do think is very incredible, mm -hmm. um, not to minimize that, you know, but then um, it just made me think about, you know, my own running story, which is very different. I didn't, you know, like I said earlier, I wasn't exposed to sports and things like that. And then I also thought about um, my other friends who are not white, um, who also just have different life circumstances to which that type of running trajectory and story was just not accessible um, to them. Mm -hmm. And so then it just made me wonder, right? Like, are there any other runners though? Like I cannot be the only <laughs> Asian female runner. Mm -hmm. So I started to look under other hashtags like hashtag Asian runners or hashtag black runners, you know, hashtag Latino runners, um, just to see if there were other running communities there. And sure enough, there were. <laughs> yeah. And um, what really struck me was how different the, um, even the pictures that were, that people chose to use you know, for their running posts. Um, so in the, I guess what I called like the mainstream running Instagram community at the time, everyone kind of had this same look, you know, um, where it's like a full body pose and then you have your hand on your hip and you have your stats posted and everyone's like very lean and with beautiful smiles. Again, nothing is wrong with that. But at the same time, like that was like, that was, all across the Instagram Explore page. Yeah. But then when you read and look into, you know, official Black Girls Run, you know, their accounts, or um, you look under Latino runners, you know, the things that people talk about were just different. It wasn't all about the stats. It, um, and it wasn't always just this full body look. Um, and it just made me see that the running world is actually much more, you know, multifaceted. And, um, and so then I, it just, it just got me thinking like there has to be more and why aren't, why aren't the stories of these runners being shared and featured? And so initially I just kind of thought, you know what, it's maybe because the podcasters don't know, they just don't know of these other runners. And so, um, I started to message and reach out <laughs> to um, some of the podcasters whom I followed and, um, and just to kind of, you know, ask, oh, do you know um, of other runners? I was wondering if you ever thought about like, um, yeah, just having a more diverse lineup even mm -hmm. in, uh, in your show. And for the most part, you know, people were very nice uh, in their responses to me. But I think also people were uncomfortable um, even acknowledging or recognizing that there was a lack of diversity. And, um, and so that just kind of went on for a while uh, and until the end of 2018 when it was just kind of like a series of events that happened where I attended a running event where all the panelists were white women um, and then I was one of a handful of women of color who was mm. at this like very big event and um and the whole time i just felt very um just very not out of place per se but in a way you mm -hmm. know that i felt like not only were there a lot of comments and things that were said um that that were you know offensive but uh, unintentionally you know at the unintentionally offensive mm -hmm. um but also you know the the way that i was made to feel by the other um women who were there again all very unintentional mm -hmm. um just being in conversation in groups of um the attendees at the event and being very, very aware of the fact that no matter how, um, how friendly I was, no matter how um, on, you know, I was in conversation that um, there is a lack of eye contact with me. Um, there is just this like difference in how um, there's an assumed familiarity, I think, that white women had with the other white women there. Mm -hmm. Whereas for me, being not white, <laughs> um, it, 
just was really clear how comfortable or uncomfortable um, people were at interacting with me. And so um, that, you know, experience, and then, you know, I went home that evening and uh, was sharing about how I was feeling with another runner friend who um, is biracial. She's uh, Black and white American. And, um, and she just shared with me how discouraged she often feels whenever she opens the Instagram Explorers page and everyone who is suggested to her, you know, are all white white runners and it makes her also wonder you know like where are the black runners where are the women who look like me and so after that conversation i think he was just like i don't know i think i was just feeling really riled up or something and i just thought okay you know what like if nobody else is going to take the time or make the effort to try to amplify other voices then i will and it doesn't matter i have this like few hundred people following, <laughs> mm -hmm. but like, I'm, I just, I felt like I couldn't not do anything, especially because like, I know that this other world existed. And, um, and so, yeah, that, that was, oh my goodness, that was a long winded way of explaining how Diversity Run started. Um, yeah, <laughs> to build representation. Yeah, I love that story because you actually answered a question I was going to ask about your personal experience. And I can only imagine what it feels like to have this thing that you've embraced and really enjoyed doing in your spare time to then be like, oh, actually, I don't feel like I belong here. And mm -hmm. it, it, it is interesting that you say, and I appreciate you noting that, you know, I don't, you don't think it's intentional, but it really speaks to how the impact of that was actually still the same. You still felt out of place mm -hmm. in a community mm -hmm. that you were trying to join and that mm -hmm. even though you can say, well, I don't think anybody's intentionally being like, oh, you know, there's Carolyn, can't talk to her. There's an Asian woman, can't talk to her. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. the impact of it was still the same where you left not having a positive experience to say the least. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I think also just to add to that, it's like, we're obviously having this bigger conversation in the mainstream, quote unquote, now about mm -hmm. like racial dynamics and people sort of an allyship and people jumping on board. And I think that a lot of people don't realize, uh, let me specify, a lot of white people don't realize that these, that experience is actually really hurtful. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people don't realize that if you are a person of color, especially in the United States, you walk into a room and do, a, do an immediate assessment of what mm -hmm. the makeup, the racial makeup of that group is. And if you feel, if you can feel safe or not. Um, mm -hmm. and so like, if you're someone who's like in this journey now trying to be more conscious, like if, as a white person, like enter those spaces and think about the same thing, ask, let that be your first question. Like, are there, who's here? Who's not here? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. why aren't these people here? What can I do to bring voices here and not just bring them here, but make people feel comfortable and welcome and accepted. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think too, you know, that really speaks to something that's important in terms of what Diverse We Run does and highlighting everyday people who are people of color or even more broadly don't look like the normal quote unquote runner mm -hmm. because you'd be surprised or maybe not, maybe no one on this podcast would be surprised, but maybe people listening <laughs> might be surprised. Very few people actually fit into that tiny box of what we're supposed to look like for one reason mm -hmm. or another, right? Whether that's because of race or body type or ability, or like you said, stats are a big deal, which I'll co-sign that for anyone who's not a runner. That's a whole thing. And it <laughs> shouldn't necessarily, it, it should be, but only for you personally, if that's what you want your run to be about. Otherwise it's too much. Um, but very few people actually fit into that box. And I think having these conversations and exposing the world to more people just mm -hmm. makes you realize that it's okay if you're not as fast as lean as whatever you know if you don't mm -hmm. want to work out in a sports bra if you don't feel comfortable with yeah. that if you don't run as often mm -hmm. it just makes you realize that like oh actually i'm not another more people are like mm -hmm. me and then not only do you maybe feel more included in a community, but you also feel less bad about yourself on a day-to-day -day basis because we're very hard on ourselves. And I feel like that inclusivity mm -hmm. is just one more reason we maybe don't have to be. Yeah, yes, yes, exactly. I think it's really important 
that everybody knows that they're seen, you know, and that their, their lived experience is valid. And I think that those are keys to truly fostering an atmosphere of inclusivity, right? Like we need, we all need mirrors and we need windows like mirrors to where I think that's actually like a an educational literature term but um because I, I heard it from my kids <laughs> um, school librarian because like that's wonderful but like okay appropriate credit that's fine also I'm gonna still credit you but I love that <laughs> yeah just everybody needs mirrors and windows in their lives right we need mirrors um to show us more of who we are to validate us of our experiences and um and also just to show us like potential ideas of what could be possible mm -hmm. right and and then we need windows to be able to learn and like teach us about others and to help us see that the world is bigger than just ourselves and of what we know right so anyway yeah, yeah i i love that example too that yeah. or that term um, and I feel like that's applicable to everything, <laughs> mm -hmm. everything in our life. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it really is. And I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying, but I want to play devil's advocate because mm. I feel like this has come up in a lot of conversations, especially these days, because we are talking about racial justice. We are talking about diversity and inclusivity. And I hear this a lot, not necessarily just with running, but like, a lot with running because there's for anyone who doesn't know there's a controversy you know particularly with runners world magazine people calling uh -huh. them out for like hey mm -hmm. your covers aren't diverse and with particular running groups to say like hey why are all your participants white like maybe you should look mm -hmm. into that um, and just those, those things are being called out, I think both in running and other areas and a common question mm -hmm. that often gets asked is why does this matter we are talking about so many other massive life and death issues, police brutality, healthcare, jobs and the wage gap, uh, access to housing, right? Like all of these things that are clearly impacted by racism in this country. And then you, and obviously those are a big deal, right? I don't think it takes, a, hopefully, a lot for somebody to say, oh wow, there's such a big gap in healthcare. That's a huge issue. And so what would you say to somebody who then says, you know, hey, I understand why the police need to stop murdering people, but like what difference does it make if someone's running group is all white or uh, Instagram account posts mostly white runners on their feed? Yeah, well, I, I think that the, the things that we're seeing, um, the injustices that we're seeing uh, played out right now, it's, it all, it's all just the, you know, the tip of the iceberg. And those things don't just, it's not like someone just sets out in the beginning of their day and is like, who can I, who can I violently harm today, <laughs> right? Those things, those actions and behaviors stem from, from deeper beliefs, right? Whether they're conscious or subconscious. And, and so I think that represent like understanding the root of how those things came to be like, that's, that's what, that's why introspective work matters. Like, I think mm -hmm. the external, yeah, the external things that we're seeing right now, it's all reflective of a lot of the problematic systems, but also beliefs and thought patterns that we have internally, uh, whether as individuals or as a society, you know? And so like when we want to look at the running world or the health and fitness world, those are just microcosms of what our world at large is. And so, you know, we, let's, let's distill how to be the change, you know, down to where each individual is and the world around us and um and i think then like hmm i'm sorry i'm like i'm just trying to think through your question right yeah. now no it's, like, a, it's a big thing together. and yeah like i'm totally putting all the pressure on you but like 
this was something I had in mind where I was like, this, this has to be something that we talk about because I keep seeing it mm -hmm. everywhere where it's essentially the message of like, are you kidding? Like we're talking about these major issues. Like what difference does your running group make? Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's almost like the idea of, are you trying to put a bandaid on a bullet hole situation? Or like you go into the ER because your foot fell off, but then they're like, Oh, you know, are you also having headaches? And you're like, stop talking to me about my headaches. <laughs> but it is so much more complex than that. And I think that mm -hmm. perspective is super important. Yeah, I think that, that that goes to systems and why why things are set up the way that they are set up. Like the lack of diversity in a running group, it's not just face value like, oh, it's just we don't have any other persons of color in the running group. Mm -hmm. Like the lack of diversity in a running group is representative of a whole bunch of other issues and problems, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and it would, I think it asks the question of like, well, one, why? Like, well, why, right? Mm -hmm. Why is there a lack of diversity? Um, who are we inviting? Are we intentionally inviting? others who are not just white runners, right? Um, I think there's a difference between saying that we're welcoming of all people versus we are intentionally being inclusive, right? Or like, where are we running? Where are our running routes? Where is this running group? You know, where's the home base for this running group? You know, what, what part of, what neighborhoods do we go through? Um, or like, if we coordinate races, and events. Uh, what are the what's the gear that we're offering? You know, is it suitable for all body types or all hair types? Even you know, um, would everyone feel safe coming into this running group? And what and not just physically safe, but like emotionally, mentally, is this a safe place where where all people will would feel seen and um, and taken into consideration, you know? Like all of those questions, I think then stem and go to bigger questions of, um, of yeah, I think just a lot of the systemic yeah. inequities, you know, that exist. Like there is a reason why um, running has notoriously been seen more as a privileged white sport, mm -hmm. you know? and. I think a lot of the runners whom I featured on Diversity Run, you know, they talk about that and they talk about how it's not like even like for, it's just not as easy for everybody to say, hey, I'm just going to lace up and go out for a run around my neighborhood. You know, mm -hmm. um, not all neighborhoods are safe, you know, for that to happen or for trail runners, you know, not everybody <laughs> lives close enough to even access mm -hmm. some kind of beautiful bike path or, you know, trail, uh, to where they can go there but then also if you think about like historically for our nation um places like places where you would go trail running in the forest in the woods you know all of that those are those have not been safe spaces for for black people in particular you mm -hmm. know um, just looking at our history mm -hmm. and like how like how can we like our willingness to address that, um, that is representative of our, you know, our, our, you know, the bigger problems, I guess, you know, that our society has. Yeah. yeah. And I'll, I'll just also just add, um, you know, we, I'm not a runner. Uh, obviously support runners I think you are wonderful. You ran an accidental 10k once. I did run an what? accidental 10k. Oh my goodness. The version was, I was, I was supposed to run a 5k that day. We got there late and I was like, oh the 10k is starting. I'm just gonna see how far I can get and ended up running the 10k and like that was awesome. So yeah. And if you know, oh my goodness. yeah, it's because like if after the race, we were like, oh my God, congrats. And he's like, that was the worst thing I ever did. I wanted to pass <laughs> at like mile four. And we're like, why didn't you? It, it was a loop course. So it wasn't like oh my if you're goodness. two miles away, you still have to walk home anyway. 
and we were like, why? And he's like, because I started like with this and that just very yeah. well. I'm we're stubborn. like, he was yeah. gonna, if it took, if we were gonna sit there for four hours while he finished this 10K, he was finishing the 10K. This is true, yeah. Oh my goodness, uh, I love your attitude though. <laughs> that like, you know, I didn't stop because I started this and I'm gonna finish it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you are a runner. That is like, that is the true runner spirit there. <laughs> that's, that's what I hear, so I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> But I did want to just highlight something that you just said, because even as someone who doesn't run regularly, um, that when we talk about the safety, of one of Black people in general, but especially now, like, you know, we have the, the case of Ahmaud Arbery mm-hmm. happened, mm-hmm. right? I remember in the days after that, not even me just not going out to run, but me going out to walk, I remember mm-hmm. the fear of when I put on my shoes to go mm-hmm. walk, right? Mm-hmm. So it was just, that was ever present for me that, oh, maybe this, maybe this space isn't safe for you, actually. And it was that, that reminder mm-hmm. that so many spaces are not safe for black and brown people and people of color. And mm-hmm. I, I just really appreciate that you brought up that point. And I think that the questions that you were asking, you know, like, why, why is this happened? Why is this not happened? I think a lot of people, hopefully who are, are you know race directors, organizers, et cetera, uh, running group leaders can ask themselves as they think about ways to move forward and advocate for equity um, in the future. Like those are the questions you have mm-hmm. to be asking because it is so representative of these systemic, larger, and historical issues in our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's yeah. interesting too because for anyone who hasn't seen a photo of me on social media, I'm white. <laughs> and I don't know what it's like to be a person of color in this world, but I know that through talking to people who do know what it's like to be a person of color, because they are, it's interesting how many things you can have in common if you hold a, and I'm putting in quotes, minority status. Because one of the people who I felt has most understood my experience in the world and safety as a woman is Jarrell, who's clearly not a woman, but it might be, you know, for different reasons that he feels unsafe, but it's that idea of like, oh, wow, we actually have this in common. Oh, wait, like someone else has this in common for another reason? Wow. We're actually, even though we might look different in terms of the color of our skin, like we actually have this in common. Mm-hmm. Holy crap, this is a bigger issue than we thought it was, affecting mm-hmm. even more people than we had originally thought. Wow, why aren't we working together? Why aren't we on the same team? And I feel like the only way you get those conversations is to actually have those conversations and to have people in your spaces from different backgrounds than you. So you're able to have that dialogue of like, oh, you know, you feel unsafe at like five in the morning walking down the street. Hey, me too. Oh, wow. What's that like for you? And even, you know, not just in the context of safety physically, but like we've said, you know, emotional safety, feeling comfortable. It's pretty crazy how much that feeling can transcend different groups. And Mm -hmm. imagine what it would be like if we all just talk to each other more, realize that, and then all work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that, and I think that that brings up just like the working together part. I think I just wanted to add a quick mm-hmm. note. And one thing I appreciate so much about you, Carolyn, is that um, you are a visible racial equity, um, someone who's advocating for that, and you are an Asian woman. And I think mm-hmm. just in terms of divisiveness, like there's been this long narrative of like, Asian people being quote unquote model minorities. And Mm -hmm. that's a fallacy that we've been fed so much throughout history Mm -hmm. to keep Mm -hmm. the status quo. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say like, I appreciate like you being this visible force and, and I think inspiring other Asian people to be this visible force so that we all can sort of take that collective power and change things. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm still learning (laughs) all the time. And um, it wasn't until later in my adult life that I realized this whole model minority status Mm -hmm. is just such 
such BS, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. like, I just did not realize because, you know, as an Asian American, um, so much, I think, of our, of my cultural identity is about assimilation mm-hmm. and just, just blending in um, and then don't rock the boat. And you know what, like, this is how th- th- we don't get any trouble if we just do that, if we just mm-hmm. like keep our heads down. Um, but like not realizing that what essentially what we're trying to assimilate and blend into and fit into is this like dominant white normative culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in and of itself already is built on in inequities of power um, mm-hmm. and the use of power. Yep. And so then like I do, you know, looking back at my childhood and, you know, teen years, um, I, I'm now able to recognize all of these, like the different, the negative stereotypes um, and narratives that I bought into, not just of the Asian community, but also of the black community, mm-hmm. you know, because you know, this whole model minority myth is built on like division um, amongst people of color and basically saying like, you know, that, oh, hey, look at this Asian community. This is, they are like hardworking. They don't rock the boat. And like, this is what all the other black and brown communities, you know, should look up to. But really like it, we're still not, we're still not like, fully accepted we're not white (laughs) you know what I'm saying and like it's still it's just it's still not I don't know not right (laughs) yeah and um yeah and that's just the more I recognize this the more I realize that there you can't I can't just like it's not about um feeling it's not about just amplifying my own voice you know, or the voice of the Asian community. Like it really is, um, Rachel, like what you were saying earlier, like there's a lot of intersection, I think, and commonality mm-hmm. um, that we all we all have um, based on the varying characteristics, you know, that comprise each of our identity. And if there is one group of people who is facing pain and injustices, like we're all like that, we're all interconnected, you know, and your pain is my pain. And we work together to build a better future. Yeah. No, I love that. And something you said brought up a really good point as to why the representation matters as well is because, you know, you mentioned messages that you received growing up. This shit starts early. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember one of like the most vivid childhood memories is that when I was a kid, I was in love with Will Smith. And I realize as I say this, that that's not actually past tense. Um, as right. a person, I am in love with Will Smith. And I remember saying that to my grandmother once and who is an Ita- was an Italian American. So, you know, no shade, but you know, um, she looked at me and was like, what are you doing with that colored man? Mm, okay mm-hmm. um I remember my mother being in earshot and just losing her mind being like what color is he is he purple is he blue what do you mean mm-hmm. and it just like I remember that to this day and I can only think mm-hmm. if I didn't have other experiences that kind of counteracted that I think mm-hmm. I was like nine right like you internalize that so not only yeah. are you potentially opening people up to different types of people you're trying to undo all of those subtle or not so subtle messages that white people for better or worse get as a kid and it's for worse I was trying to be nice but you know it's it's that idea of like even when well-intentioned like you said earlier that message is still there of like oh you're only supposed to be friends with these people or date these people or look up to these people and the intention might be good and it might be subtle and they don't know what they're doing, but they're still doing it. And, you know, then you fast forward to someone who's in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, entering a community. And it's like that inclusion and um, representation is trying to undo all of those years of getting the same message Mm -hmm. of like, Hey, like, we're not saying it directly, but we're kind of saying that these people are inferior. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's even like, and I talk to clients about this all the time. It's like, it's not even just about the negative things you say about people. Right. But it's just mm-hmm. about even the lack of celebration. Yeah. And acknowledgement yeah. is like mm-hmm. implicit bias too. So like mm-hmm. if you, mm-hmm. you know, if you see, um, you know, like a, if a white runner on a certain social media account gets all these sort of like likes and comments, et cetera, and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you get, you post a video, uh, a image of a black runner, or a person of color is a runner and they get 10% of that. Mm-hmm. Then like that's reflective of that implicit sort of bias yeah. that you have that you don't, mm-hmm. that like this, that so many fewer people celebrated a person for doing the exact same thing. But, mm-hmm. you, and that's mm-hmm. where it's, you have to disentangle like these messages. And I think that that's one thing that Diversity Run really does. It sort of puts people in front of you and says like, this is this story. It's important for you to hear. And just like mm-hmm. internally you start, the more you get exposed to these different stories, these different people, these different bodies, like mm-hmm. you get to understand that there's a world beyond what you were just exposed to in your limited experience. And there's value in that. Drill, do you know the story of Alephine in the Olympic marathon trials? No. Or did, okay. Cause I was like, your point was like almost exactly that. And like, you know, cause mm-hmm. we we're talking about the running community. Um, I feel like Carolyn's facial expression probably like changed into an angry one when I said that because it, it's bad. Um, so long story short for both you, Jarell, and anyone else who isn't aware, um, Alephine Tuliamuk won, like first place, won the Olympic marathon trials out of a stacked field. Like there were so many people who could have taken it and she won um, pretty handedly in the running world, actually. And the second place finisher was, and so Alephine is a black woman. The second place finisher was a white woman who also has a really great story, an amazing, you know, I don't want to say comeback story because she was always around and that's a different conversation, but just a really great story of perseverance. However, I would like to emphasize again that Alephine won, but the coverage is, Mm -hmm. what would you say, Carolyn, like 90, 95, if not more percent towards the white second place finisher? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is pretty nice. It is. I mean, and even just like the camera, (laughs) the camera angles, you know, Mm -hmm. um, while we were watching that day, it was, you, I felt like you barely saw Alephine. Um, and there was, yeah, that broke my heart. And then when, um, Alphine herself, she, she finally posted, she posted an Instagram um, post about it, right? And how uh, devastated, how crushed she felt, like on her day of biggest accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just realizing that the news commentary and the coverage, instead of actually celebrating her and talking about her, it was more about this the other second place woman and about how, oh, she, this is her first marathon and she hasn't done, you know, wow, what an amazing story. Um, and yeah, that, that was a hard Instagram post to read. I felt, I mean, I think so many, so many um, runners of color, like could feel, knew exactly what she was talking about in that post. Yeah. No, it, it broke my heart. I, I cried. I won't even, you know, I'm not going to change it, but I won't even lie. Like, I, I have tears to my eyes because I can't even imagine, right? You work mm-hmm. so hard to get to that point and it's tainted for her. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure mm-hmm. she still feels pride and I'm sure that her circle is lifting her up, but like that moment is tainted mm-hmm. and that moment should not be. And I think yeah. that's a really good example of you know, even if you don't have relatives, like I was lucky enough to have that refer to people as the colored man, it's still mm-hmm. messages like that, that you might be receiving that is influencing how you view people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if you don't notice that it's happening, and I think just that goes back to the idea of representation being so important, you need people to say, like, actually, hey, here's how I perceive this, and to listen to them and to be like, oh, wow. You know, I watched the same thing, but didn't see it through your eyes. And now I do. Wow. You're right. That's an issue. And like, we need to do something about that. That's not okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it goes to the saying of how it's not enough to just be not racist, but how you have to be anti-racist, right? Like it's not enough that you just kind of intellectually 
agree to something, but it's more about what you are actively, intentionally doing um, and seeking to do, right? To, to learn and to interact and to build relationships with people who are not like you. Um, that is what that is what will make a difference and what will bring about real change. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And you know, I feel like we could talk to you about this forever. And but you know, we won't take up your entire day because, as we learned, you're very busy. You have a lot of things. <laughs> no, so no. just to close, what's some kind of tangible advice to start small? Let's say for people who are listening to this or reading and getting more information and being like, wow, I want to make a change, but I'm not really sure where to start. What would you say to them? Um, well, one, Google is your friend. Word. <laughs> so, if you have a question such as how can I be more anti-racist? Um, type that into Google. <laughs> but um, aside from that, I think really it is about, um, building relationships, honestly, um, and n not being afraid to talk about race. Those, even just those two things, I, I mean, it sounds simple, but I think that just those two things um, in and of themselves, it's actually much harder to do because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And, um, and as we have seen now, you know, it's also costly. It can, it can be costly of friendships or relationships with people um, to talk about race or to want to grow in being anti-racist, right? And, um, and I think that is something, honestly, I think that everyone has to internally um, reckon with and decide for yourself, like, if this is, like, if you truly want to build a more diverse and rep, you know, um, diverse world, um, are you willing to take that cost, you know? Um, because if not, like, I'm telling, like, it's, it's not an easy work and change to bring about. But, um, but the world and you as an individual will be better for it. Yeah. And I love what you said about Googling, because I've also seen that pop up a lot, that there are like random Instagram DMs and emails going out to people being like, hey, can you give yeah. me, you know, like an inclusive, comprehensive step-by-step -step guide to be anti-racist? And it's like, well, no, mm -hmm. Google can. We mm -hmm. live in a great time of technology. Utilize mm -hmm. it. No. So. I appreciate that because I think that's also, you know, I feel like we could do another 30 minutes on that problem, but I will just co-sign that. Yeah. I think whenever you're looking to support people or a group of people, um, the internet is a good place to start Yeah. Mm -hmm. rather than you know, posing on the person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, one more thing I want to add actually yeah. is um, I think Adjusting the mindset and having an attitude or mentality of like, who can I get to know more um, whenever you're entering any kind of space, whether it is a running group or running event, or even on social media, you know, on Instagram, um, just like being much more intentional at connecting with people who are different from you, um, whether it is, you know, based on race or just, you know, anything um, to help put into practice um, being uncomfortable but for a good for a good um, reason you know uh, and having the mindset of being more others minded uh, versus like self minded of of like what can I get out of this event or what can I get out of this you know group or time but just to be more others focused of like how can I learn more about you and get to know you and your story? I think that would, I think that would go a long way. Yeah, love I love that actually. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. One of the first times I've heard that, but yeah, as really good as a really good suggestion of how, where to start off. Um, yeah, I love that because I think that also 
it speaks to that idea of like, you don't want to go find a black person to be friend to say you have a black friend, yeah. but I think your yeah. shift is like, yeah, it's like crazy. We even have to say that, but I think your way of explaining that, of saying shift the perspective away from yourself and more mm -hmm. on the other person of like, Hey, how can I make them feel comfortable? How can I make them feel seen? You know, what can I know mm -hmm. about them? I think mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. a one step towards avoiding that. Like, let me just go find a friend of color so I can then mm -hmm. ask them about racism, but rather like take an actual interest in a human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you say it much more eloquently. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I thought you did, so that, that works. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing all of this amazing insight. Mm -hmm. uh, I know I'm so grateful to talk to you about this, and I love following you and Diverse We Run, and I just think I love the stories. It's one of my favorite things to see a post because there are just so many amazing stories in the running community, and I love not seeing the same ones over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, those are great, but I just love seeing all different types of people and people who came at running for such a different reason. And I would say to anybody who's even not a runner, the stories are inspiring. So follow mm -hmm. the account anyway. Maybe they'll inspire you to run or maybe just like Jarrell, be the best spectator ever. Either way, mm -hmm. they're great. So. Or run a 10K by accident. Exactly. No, Jarrell's like made some running sacrifices for someone who's like, considered himself not a runner he's like stood in staten island in the pouring rain mm -hmm. by himself to watch me run a half marathon and like didn't tell me oh, wow. to go screw myself afterwards so that also is worth <laughs> <laughs> yes we all need friends <laughs> yes supporters like you Jarrell. <laughs> thank you gold star mm -hmm. Um, so Carolyn, tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find Diverse We Run on social or otherwise. Uh, yeah, well, you can find me at my personal Instagram account at I Run for the Glory. And then Diverse We Run is at Diverse We Run. And that's that. Yes, super easy. No excuse not to follow for all the inspiration and amazing stories and to expose yourself to people outside of maybe your immediate circle. So mm -hmm. thank you again, Carolyn, for joining us. Um, we love this conversation. And for anyone looking to connect with Jarell or I, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Viva Wellness NYC. And if you like this episode or any episode, feel free to leave a rating and review. We would greatly appreciate it and share with a friend or a family member or your dog or anyone else that you think might appreciate this podcast. Um, we appreciate you spreading the love and we hope you'll join us next time. Bye.